This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. The new president of Brazil, Zair Bolsonaro, is being called the Tropical Trump. Last Sunday, Bolsonaro won the second round of elections with 55% of the vote. It marks a significant shift for a country that has been ruled by the political left for the past 15 years. Bolsonaro has a history of making racist, homophobic, and misogynistic comments. He's pledged to open up the Amazon to mining and development, uh, develop, among other things, which has climate change scientists and environmentalists concerned. He also expressed admirations for Brazil's military dictatorship. This radical shift in leadership won't just have an impact on Brazil, but also could have a rippling effect in other parts of Latin America. With more on Bolsonaro, we are joined by Felipe Montero, who is an affiliate professor of strategy and academic director of the Global Talent uh, Competitiveness Index at INSEAD. He is also a senior fellow at the Mac Institute here at the Wharton School. Felipe, great to catch up with you again. Hey, Dan. Glad to be here. Thank you. So what have have we seen anything from Bolsonaro in the first few days that kind of gives us an idea of how he is going to approach his role as the as the leader of this country? So I think then I think the first thing I like to say is um, the situation is, is really complex because sometimes we try to kind of define and I heard your preamble about him. Um, so I completely agree on right on some of the things you were saying about uh, the, his previous statements, and we, I think we should all condemn them. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, as you look at the situation now, I mean, I think his opponents say, you know, he is racist and, and homophobic and all this. Uh, I think his supporters say that he is a myth, and people uh, really are rallied uh, because of that. Um, as I look at the situation and what he's doing now, um, my reading of it, it is really changed. If I have to choose one word, I think it's kind of would, would neither be the racism or the myth would be changed. And I think concretely, I think the, what he's been doing since he was elected. And then, by the way, he only takes uh, power at the beginning of January. So what we have now is a transition. Um, is really how he's going to form his cabinet, mm-hmm. and maybe the, the news which are capturing the headlines are one that he chose as minister of finance, and actually is going to be a, a very powerful minister of finance, um, Paulo Guedes, who is kind of based from Chicago, a very liberal economist, um, but with a lot of kind of transit with the business community. And it was just announced this morning uh, that uh, Judge Moro, who was the leading the anti-corruption uh, probe in Brazil, uh, will be the new Minister of Justice. So very kind of immediate announcements has, have been really on what's going to happen with his cabinet. And I think he's trying to get some very powerful people, meaning with a lot of support, to be part of his government. And, and that uh, appointment of, of Judge Moro, uh, as Minister of Justice, I guess becomes very important because one of the things that Bolsonaro had t- talked about was trying to clean up a lot of the corruption and also uh, deal with the uh, the violent crime that was in Brazil as well. Yes, I think this appointment is very symbolic because um, if there's one thing that happened in Brazil that got a lot of popular support and also I think it's going to be good for the long term of the Brazilian economy and, and business environment is really this fight against corruption. 
So it has been painful for Brazil, but at the same time, I think it's going in the right direction. Uh, so I think more epitomizes that. Uh, and at the same time, I think giving the means of justice to someone who has really been so popular in the sense of representing democratic values, etc., is very important because I think, of course, a lot of people are concerned about um, Bolsonaro's previous statements, right? Mm -hmm. and, and like Trump, okay, he has said a lot of, he makes all those impactful statements on Twitter, on social media, etc., that generates, um, I mean, some, his supporters really like it, but cause a lot of concern too. So my reading of appointing someone like Moro should also give more credibility to say, you know, this is going to be a democratic government, getting someone who's going to be the minister of justice, who is clearly someone who who will be a supporter of democracy, right? And also, as you were saying, um, this fight against corruption and also, I think, um, against violence. So the, I mentioned the, the, the nickname, the Tropical Trump. How, how, how close is he to what Americans have seen here in the United States over the last two years? So it's interesting because, I think on the one hand, Right, uh, he's similar to Trump in the way he communicates with his supporters. So have use of social media, a very simple language, a lot of populist statements. Um, on the other hand, I think it's what's very different is I think in the U.S. Uh, in the ele election in the U.S., you really had two candidates from right the, the traditional parties, and you had an opponent to Trump. Who is someone with right of a lot of legitimacy, a lot of support from the Democratic Party? Um, I'm talking about Hillary Clinton. Uh, I think in the case of Brazil, I think the difference is his opponent was really someone, and I mean he represented a party that was involved with corruption that a lot of the, the Brazilians could not stand anymore. So I would say then that a lot of people who vote for Bolsonaro actually voted against the Labour Party. So it's not that they were completely kind of in favor of Bolsonaro, mm -hmm. um, but a lot of them were saying, no, we can no longer have this leftist government anymore. We're joined by Felipe Montero of INSEAD and of the Wharton School at the Mac Institute. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So what is the impact then outside of Brazil and, and in Latin America with Bolsonaro uh, taking over as Brazil? Because we have seen you know, quite a few shifts in leadership in that part of the world over the last uh, couple of years? Yes, yeah, so I think if you go back a few years, uh, that region was really dominated by governments who were in the left, uh, from Argentina to Ecuador and Bolivia, Brazil, and of course Venezuela. Uh, and you see a shift on that. Uh, I think we've seen this uh, in Argentina with President Macri um, and now uh, Brazil. And I think there's um, also, as you think about symbolically, and we're asking about uh, the relationship with, with President Trump, mm -hmm. um, it seems like that since he was elected, he immediately spoke to President Trump, and and he, the message he sent to Latin America, too, I think at this point, uh, President Bolsonaro sent to Latin America, is that he really wants to strengthen the relationship with the U.S. Um, 
So it might also mean that for Brazil, um, a much stronger link with the U.S. Uh, vis-a-vis focusing on Latin America as previous presidents have. 844-942-7866, or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. What's interesting, I guess, is that also with, with Bolsonaro uh, now uh, getting ready to become president, there's still a, a, a good amount of support for President Lula as well, correct? That's correct. And I think, to a certain extent, that also reflects the, this parallel with the U.S., because what you had is a very polarized election, um, and the way the Brazilian election goes, right, that you have two rounds. Uh, so in the second round, um, Bolsonaro won with a margin of 10 million people, which is a lot. But still, as you're saying, there were kind of more than 40 million people who supported uh, his opponent. Um, and his opponent, um, Haddad, actually was also um, indicated right, by uh, former President Lula. So I think the next step now will be whether this polarization, which really characterized the election, will continue Mm -hmm. or whether Bolsonaro will move to the center, as well as those supporting um, former President Lula and and who voted for that. We also see some of those movements, for example, I think his appointment of Judge Moro in that extent of, of getting more of the popular support that Moro has, yeah. will attract and somehow diminish the polarization. How much, how much impact do you think there is with his mindset of this love of military dictatorship? Um, I want to believe, at least I want to believe this is in the past, uh, meaning uh, he has, right, he's a former military, his vice president is, is a retired military. But I think Brazil today, and I believe the military in Brazil think this way, uh, they, cannot, they cannot see kind of the military as a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. So maybe, right, so military, um, when we think about the corruption, and the, uh, I think a lot of people in Brazil and actually the, the military are very respected for that, for the kind of their lack of corruption. Mm-hmm. But I think military and dictatorship or military dictatorship, uh, I don't think this is something that uh, the Brazilians would tolerate. And I don't think that he's something that he wants to pursue. 844-942-7866 with your phone calls or on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So what do you think are the most important elements that Bolsonaro probably must address when he takes office? Then I have no doubt. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of things which are difficult and complex. I mean, that question is more straightforward in the sense of if there's anything that has to be done, um, uh, has to fix the economy. And it is clear that to fix the economy, there will reforms are needed. Mm-hmm. And if it is also clear that the first reform is really pension reform. So most people would agree. I mean, they may disagree on the details, but most people would agree that passing reforms and passing a pension reform is priority number one. Okay. Uh, so I think this is at the top of his list. Um, but one thing that we, we briefly discussed, and I think it's very important for our listeners to understand is because Brazil is a, a democracy, all those reforms will have to go through Congress. So it's not that, sure. I mean, as much as popular support and being elected um, as he was, I mean, he will not be able to impose them. 
Well, then how does he go about trying to get some of these reforms done? So I think at this point is really getting uh, the best in, in terms of, of the proposal. So, um, again, very recent, this morning was announced that the former president of the central bank, who is a, a very respected uh, economist and actually a former Wharton faculty member, uh, Aminio Fraga, yep. he has talked to Bolsonaro's transition team and presented uh, also his proposal for pension reform. Uh, so I think that's a lot of intellectual uh, power in and kind of designing those, I think the next step is really how do you get the political support. So I'm confident on their ability to come up with a solid program. Um, I think it is a still question mark of how you're going to get the approval from Congress for those measures. What's the expectation of the people that live there of, of Bolsonaro? Because he did get 55% of the vote uh, against his competitor. Yeah, so I think the first expectation is that it's going to be change. And that's why I was mentioned in the beginning that if there's one word that comes to my mind, is really change. So I think he can, <laughs> I mean, his uh, voters are really expecting that he will do something different from what uh, Brazil has seen the past 15 years or so. Um, and then I think there will be expectation. I mean, people are expecting some measures in, in the economy. And I think there's some expectation that he will be really this kind of fight against corruption, fight against violence. is something that he'll be able to deliver. Um, let's see, right? Uh, on, I think all those things are very difficult, very complex. So back to your comparison with Trump, it's very easy to say, right, I will end violence or end corruption. In a Twitter, um, how do you implement the measures to, to make them happen uh, is much more complex. So I think on the one hand, he, he managed to communicate very directly with his supporters using social media. Um, on the other hand, the ability to deliver on those very difficult promises uh, is something to be seen. Is there a connection within Brazil, and, and you understanding Brazil, I, it's why I, I phrase it this way, is there a connection between being able to reduce the level of corruption and take care of some of the violent crime that is out there and be able to get a, a, a general better feeling and, and improve the economy uh, in Brazil as well at the same time? I think for me the connection I see is if you have a better um, First of all, I think there's a change in mentality, in mindset. So I think if you change that mood of, no, this is more of the same, we don't trust the politicians, we don't trust the system, um, I think changing that is already very important, right? We know how expectations and how mindsets work for the, for changing the economy. Um, so I think that's one. And I think the second one is really on by making the business environment kind of more agile and more friendly. And I think there are a number of things to be done which I think will have an immediate impact. Um, the, the benefits in the economy can come. Um, but I think we should not be, uh, we should not believe that this would be painless. Uh, so in any country right. in the world, if you want to change, for example, pensions, this, this will be painful. Right. And, and this is a multi-year process that we're talking about here. This is not something that can be corrected in a year or two. No. And I, and I think the expectation of when you think about reforms, you really think about fundamental reforms. Uh, I believe that his team has the appetite for that. Uh, so if you look at the right, Paulo Keza, the, the Minister of Finance, 
uh, the, f the future means of finance. Uh, I think the plans, right, in terms of privatizations, in terms of liberalization of the economy, opening for foreign trade, um, all these are all multi-year plans, as you say. Maybe there will be some quick wins, and I believe, for example, just improving, as I was saying before, right, we're talking about kind of microeconomic changes, right, In decreasing bureaucracy, um, making a kind of a business uh, environment which is more friendly. Um, I think those things, maybe they will offer some quick wins, um, but the major changes, the most substantial ones, will take some time. But if memory serves me, part of the, the corruption problem uh, was not only at the at the uh, at the federal level, uh, but th there was also a lot of corruption uh, within the individual states within Brazil as well. So you also have to address the the local government as well. Correct. Correct. And I think, by the way, then thanks for for asking this question because one thing that we haven't discussed yet, which is was very important in these elections, is what happened to Congress. Uh, and who was elected and who was not elected to Congress, because at the same time that we had the presidential elections, we also had elections for Congress. And I think that's uh, uh, um, <laughs> very good news, because a lot of the former congressmen and women and senators um, who were involved in the corruption scandals were not elected. So there was some kind of important renewal in Congress, which somehow um, may transpire and translate into what you're saying, since it's not only the presidents or not only the central government, but how does how does that represented in in the different states, in, in Congress. And I think in that sense, there was a good renewal. So there's a, uh, there's a greater will by the people of Brazil to say, we need to change this right now. Absolutely. I think people are, uh, and I think that election is a representation of that. People are really tired with the previous uh, governments, and I think that kind of demand for change was, to me, was the most kind of important message of this election. Can change in Brazil mean that Brazil takes the leadership role in in Latin America right now, and and can be just an effective partner outside of that region in other parts of the world? So if you ask if Brazil has the potential for that, uh, I think it does, right? If you look at the, the Brazilian economy, if you look at this kind of the mere size of Brazil, Brazil population, demographics of this, it does. Um, I think what is going to be important is understanding that taking that leadership position requires working partnerships. Uh, that requires right responsibility in, in what we say. So I think, for example, the idea that um, uh, Bolsonaro said, and I think at this point he he's no longer supporting it, that Brazil would kind of no longer be part of the Paris Agreement for climate change, that would be a, a very bad initiative and right. that would compromise the ability of, of exercising this leadership role. I think that maybe this was something that he said, but we will no longer do, I hope so. Um, but what I'm trying to say here then is, is it's clear that if you want to exercise this leadership role, that I think Brazil has the potential to that comes also with responsibility for the international community that I think he will have to also so, fulfill. How close will the relationship be between Bolsonaro and, and Trump? You mentioned, obviously, uh, President Trump calling him after uh, finding out that uh, he won the election. How close will that relationship be between those two gentlemen, but also the two countries moving forward? 
I think the, I mean, the, the two gentlemen, it looks like, right, that, that, that they have some kind of good chemistry in, in the way they communicate. So, so maybe this is, this is going to be important. It looks like that Brazil, one of the first countries that he announced he will visit uh, will be the U.S. So U.S. has been a traditional, very important partner for Brazil for right, many, many, many years. Um, I think as you look at, as I look at their, um, Bolsonaro's economic team, um, I would say that we have stronger reasons to believe that the, that the relationship between Brazil and the U.S. can be strengthened. Because there's a natural alignment between kind of the proposals that their cabinet, uh, the economic team has, and with the U.S. How, let's go back to, to Judge Morrow for a second, because the, the stories around corruption and, uh, and, uh, and violent crime have been so frequent, uh, and obviously it's been a big problem for, uh, for a, a good bit of time right now. How much of an impact can he make, Judge Morrow make, taking the role of Minister of Justice? So then this is, right, uh, at this point, we, we, it's just a speculation in the sense of, right, he just accepted this morning, as we right, uh, right, a couple of hours ago. So what he could potentially do? I think what he could potentially do is take um, the fight against corruption to really change in policies and really kind of having all the, the political clout to approve a number of anti-corruption legislation, that is, by the way, which is kind of supported by Trans- Transparency International, mm-hmm. um, we sediment a number of the things that he was doing as a judge in the cases that he was uh, involved with. So if somehow can you, we really institutionalize um, that fight against corruption? So that, that's the potential. That's the promise. Um, I think we have to see, right? And, and that's what the interesting moment that we are experiencing in Brazil is we have to see to what extent people that uh, Bolsonaro is bringing to form his cabinet will really have the, the power to push forward kind of what they want to do, and to what extent he himself, the president, will work in coordination with them. Uh, and in a certain way, if, if, they do, if he does, I think it's going to be very good for Brazil because it means right, that instead of having this leader doing whatever he, he thinks is right, that he's really working with a very strong team. So I think that's, that's to be seen. Right. And I think this is uh, probably, if I were to watch the next steps, really understanding who's forming the cabinet and what they will be able to do is, is really the, the key areas to watch. Great having you again on the show, Felipe. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Felipe Montero, affiliate professor of strategy and academic uh, director of the Global Talent Competitiveness Index at INSEAD and also senior fellow at the Mac Institute here at the Wharton School. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.